This f***ing week on Ultra f***ing 64, we played Conker's Bad f***ing Fur Day, you f***. Hello! Welcome to Ultra 64. We are the Internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. My name is Steve Dunlap. I am high-functioning alcoholic Woody Siskowski. <laughs> and we are joined once again. I mean, it's what? already to even say once again. You're basically a new guest at this point. It's like, you know... You, it's you, been a while. You haven't been here since the 10th episode. So now we're on our 50th nice. fucking episode, you 40th, guys. 40th episode break. 40 episodes later. It's Zach Strong, everybody. Say hello. Hello. Hey, right, we're glad to have you back. You, were, you last heard Zach on our uh, Gauntlet Legends episode. And I only just learned that you were, like, sick that day. Yeah, so you probably didn't really hear me much, You didn't really hear me. I was trying not f- to cough into the microphone. We didn't get the full Zach Strong experience. <laughs> so we're going to call this a fresh slate. Uh, this is this is uh, your first no, time Steve, here, so it's welcome. It's a fresh start or a clean slate. It's a, a clean start or a fresh start. start. <laughs> yeah, a fresh I should preface that I have a bit of a cold right now, so I'm a little loopy as well. So I apologize if I sound weird. Um, before we begin, yeah. mm-hmm. thank you to everyone who participated in the poll on the internet. Yes, that was and, that's so awesome every and, time. And voted and made us play this game. You um, did, and it was a narrow vote too, actually. I was surprised. Last time we played, like, uh, we did the contest Star Wars Racer won, like, the first week. It was done really <laughs> early. And this one, it kept me guessing all the way up to the end. We were either going to be playing this or Superman. Or Shadow Man. Or Shadow Sha- Man kept, kept creeping in with its one vote. <laughs> it's one vote for Shadow Man. How many total votes yes. were there? Uh, I don't remember. Don't, I, I don't spoil the magic, Zach. Well, you tell we, we would like to keep that a secret. Like, Just imagine. I'm the, sorry. Yeah, we once it, the, the counter loses track at a hundred thousand. Oh. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we did not lose track, but we did like it was like three times as many people as who played the first time. So uh, it was great. So thank you guys for that. Y'all chose Conker's Bad Fur Day for us to play, and I think this is interesting timing because we're fairly fresh off the Donkey Kong sixty four episode. That's the last time we played a rare platformer. And, kind of uh, like a one-two punch. It is. It's one like a, is kind of a response to the other. Yes, it, is. it really, really is. Like, it's one of the most reactionary, like, video games you'll ever play. Uh, so, I mean, when this game first came out, I think it felt, like, really kind of silly and gross. And it still does. But now I can kind of look at it. It seems like mild... I, I don't know. I, want, I don't want to heap too much praise on it, but mildly revolutionary. Because if you think about today the way that brands are so curated, like, everything... I mean, could you imagine, like, Pixar suddenly making, like, an R-rated movie? Or, like, Marvel inserting, like, some hardcore sex scenes into one of their movies all of a sudden? It's like, that's not Deadpool. (laughs) You know, it's like, images need to be so pristine, and they're so worried about maintaining that image, that for a company to completely just flip its whole reason for being on its head is pretty, uh, pretty shocking and pretty amazing. Well, can you provide a little backstory on that? Absolutely. So this is, of course, made by Rare, uh, the developers behind Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie and Donkey Kong 64 and a million other hits for the system. And Conquer was originally going to be a game just like Banjo-Kazooie. It was going to be... Conquer the Squirrel. Yeah, it was called uh, Conquer's 12 Tales, and it was uh, in development pretty early on. Like, that's why he, he made his first appearance in Diddy Kong Racing, mm-hmm. and that was meant to be kind of an early crossover before his game actually debuted. He was one debuted. of the crappier characters in Diddy Kong Racing. He was, was he? no He was no Tip Top the Turtle. Oh, okay. Who, who was the go-to. He was the Yoshi of Diddy Kong Racing. I was Racing. just going to say, I'm sure everyone and, picked Tip Top. Yeah, and uh, Pip, Pip loved the mouse. Pipsy the Mouse was uh, the Toad. So okay. you either pick Pipsy or Tip Top. I know a lot of Wait, people who The Mouse Donkey was the Kong. Toad? I'm he very he was he was no. the toad equivalent. Okay. The, yeah, it's that old children book. Mouse and toad are friends. Oh, okay, absolutely. And uh, I cannot think of toad the same way ever again. Thank you, Donald Trump. Fuck you. Uh, so yeah. Now, of course. So this was meant to be kind of a straight up like Banjo Kazooie style platform. It was first shown in at E3 in 1997. Uh, it was first called Conquer's Quest, and then it was renamed to Twelve Tales Conquer's Quest eventually. Uh, as it evolved, it was going to be kind of. Uh, it was going to take on a few different elements. Like, there was going to be a, a strategy element, and you get to play as two different characters. You get to be either Conker or Barry, his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, they, they were trying to mix it up a little bit. Uh, in 1999, they released a Game Boy Color adaptation of that game called uh, Conker's Pocket Tales. And that was very much in the cutesy vein. And I remember that because I bought that game. 
shortly after Conker's Bad Fur Day came out. I was real into this game when it first came out. And I bought it. I'm like, what the hell is this? It's very <laughs> cutesy. It's very innocuous and not very memorable at all. So in the space that they had, you know, presented Conquer mm. at E3 and then over the next couple of years, you get a couple more rare platformers that come out, right? Like Banjo-Kazooie came out in 98, Donkey Kong okay. in 99. And already by this point, people were starting to criticize Rare for kind of doing the same thing over and over again. And so any and all interest for Conquer just kind of vanished because people didn't want to play the same Banjo-Kazooie game again, especially since Banjo-Tooie was on its way out. So the developers decided to just kind of pull an audible. The The director and creator of this game is a guy named Chris Seaver, and uh, he was the guy who had the idea to completely blow up this project and start from scratch with something completely different, just a wildly different direction for it. It was going to be violent and self-aware and foul-mouthed and M-rated and full of boobs and drinking and violence and stupidity but and it was poop. Still, yeah, and poop. A lot Lots of, poop. of poop. I would say, I don't think that this game, the crudity of this game doesn't stand out too much. I mean, with all of, you know... The, you know, you play not anymore, Yak- No, not anymore. Like, okay. if you play... On the N64, definitely. It's harder than, but, like, Boogerman. But, yeah, you know. but, like, it's gonna... When you play something like Grand Theft Auto or Yakuza or something like that, like... Right. The, the amount of swear... I mean, all the swears in this game are bleeped out. Yeah. Um, Except asshole. Yeah. Arsehole. Arsehole. Because yeah. this arsehole. game is yeah. very British. Very, very British, yeah. Um, so that part doesn't really stand out, but it aside from... Just what a surprise it is to see these cutesy rare characters who, you know, in art. So the game sounds like a rare game. It sounds yeah. very much like Banjo Kazooie, mm-hmm. and it looks like those games. But, you know, like you said, the characters are drinking and making crude comments and things like that. Yeah. And it's pretty. I mean, I just remember when this game first came out and just thinking how shocking this was. Like, like oh my God, I can't believe they're getting away with it. And I was younger you know i was about the age where i could really appreciate this kind of like creepy crappy humor you know so i don't know uh and i was very like waned on or weaned on south park at that point you know mm-hmm. so it was kind of in it's that very uh what was the happy tree friends from south park right yeah it's kind well, of that yeah they're not from south park but yeah they're different. oh no you're thinking of the um uh fuck the, what am i thinking the, the, the characters that buddies. cartman creates yeah the christmas the, buddies the or whatever yeah, the Happy Tree animals. Friends was a different thing, but yeah, these. You know what I'm talking about, Zach? Not a clue. Okay, no. I know okay. Happy Tree Friends. Is, blood orgy, that was blood huge orgy at my school. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a bunch of weird animated creatures just killing each other. Yeah, which is very Conker's Bad Fur Day. Yeah, <laughs> and I think a lot of the reason that they were able to get away with this and that Nintendo didn't like this is very late in the life cycle of the system it was one of the last games released so they kind of didn't care what happened on the n64 anymore at this point and rare had a contract and they were allowed to make whatever game they wanted now notably this is where rare and nintendo's partnership ended Mm. officially because they they still released star fox adventures for the gamecube after this but that would that had been in development for a long time it was dinosaur planet on the n64 before it was adapted so that was just them finishing up a job this was their last original ip for nintendo after this they jumped ship and they went to microsoft so there's a little bit of a bridge burning aspect to this on rare's part i don't know the story behind it i i mean i read that i mean i'm sure nintendo is not crazy about this product in general i read that they didn't advertise the game at all in Nintendo Power, like they didn't give it. Any Not coverage. Nintendo Power, they did in Playboy. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they, I watched. There's a YouTube commercial uh, for this game. They're aired at about the. I don't know what channel this aired on because it's pretty racy. But there was a commercial for Conquer that just it looked like I don't know this woman in like a bra and panties like rolling around the bed talking about how good she got it last night and you hear the sound of like constant vomiting over the whole thing and then it's like the squirrel comes out. it doesn't look like conquer it looks like a taxidermied squirrel that comes out wearing a vest anyway it's creepy it's creepy as hell <laughs> it was but check that out ABC family. it was abc family <laughs> yes absolutely so yeah and nintendo is also very protective about their image in particular do you remember uh bionic commando yeah, of like, course. Uh, who doesn't remember who doesn't Bionic remember Command? Commando? It's in the all-time echelon of great grappling hook games. It is. It may be the greatest <laughs> it grappling may hook be. game. I'm not even being sarcastic. Yeah, it's but like that Yeah, game, you, you wouldn't joke about a thing like I that. I would not joke about grappling. What's the grappling hook sound effect we said we had to do? <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yeah, we're talking grappling hooks. So that game shipped to America with uh, a dam left in some of the dialogue. Mm. Uh, and it also shipped with 
the climactic cutscene of Hitler's head exploding in gory slow motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and parents groups got really, really upset when they discovered that because, you know, cherished childhood character Hitler was being <laughs> injured, assumedly. So uh, ever since then, Nintendo has been like very wary about letting stuff like this get out. So I don't think they were crazy about it. I mean, this game is very clear on the advertising and the box art that it's not for kids. So speaking, actually speaking of that, Steve, in honor of our 50th episode, yeah. um, I have a little gift for you. Oh. Um, so here you go. <gasps> oh, my and, God. And the instruction manual is in there, too. It's the, for people and, not with no, eyes not in for the room. Three people. It is the, uh, the box for Conquer's Bad for Day. That's amazing. And, and, yes, and the instruction manual. This oh. game is notoriously kind of valuable it's one of the more valuable games on the system i'm not sure why that is it's probably because it was later in the life cycle of the system and it didn't sell well okay Uh, but and it also developed a big cult following kind of after the fact and yeah so now there is demand for people to play it um yeah a a loose card will run you anywhere from 80 to 100 dollars, and in the box can go up to 500 so that's really kind of you thank you so much um and you can see on the box and the um and the instructions right on the front. It, they very clearly label this game is for mature audiences. Yeah, they so. have the big M rating, and then they also have a little tagline underneath that says this game is not for anyone under 17. So they really, really want to make it clear. And then, like, the the all-black background and the fact that Conker's drinking a beer and Barry's kind of dressed scantily. Like, they really want to make it very clear that this is not for kids. Uh, it didn't work, though. It didn't work. It did not work. <laughs> Considering my group of 13-year-old friends, we played it for hundreds of hours. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I found an interview with uh, Chris Seaver from 2012 where uh, he claims that Nintendo was supportive of the project the entire time, but they were limited by where they could advertise. Like, they couldn't advertise in certain European countries, or uh, and they had to limit the times that they could run some of those ads. And uh, But he said 99% of the stuff he wanted to get in the game made it in. Uh, mm-hmm. The only things that were cut were a Pokemon parody mm-hmm. and uh, a scene making fun of the Ku Klux Klan. So I don't know about that. He was throwing a little shade at them in the interview about, oh, why would they want to protect the image of racists? I don't know. So Hey, man, sales are sales. Sales are sales, can't, yes. Can't quite into that white nationalist market. Oh, God. So, yeah, you didn't see much of this. But uh, I don't know. I think before we get into the game a little bit, uh, I want to go on one of my famous diversions and talk about the history of vulgarity in video games. Because I think this is a really interesting kind of area to explore. So... Even by 2001, when Conquer came out, uh, foul-mouthed games like this were pretty few and far between. Mm-hmm. Like, it's probably for the best, I think. Video games, I think to this day, they have a bad track record of depicting sex or foul language. I would say that video games in general have a pretty bad track record of being funny. Yeah, that's really right? true. I mean, that's in really a very true. more general sense, it's rare to find act- games that actually make you laugh. I think, uh, yeah, the last game I think I played that really, really made me laugh was Portal 2. Yeah, they've got which, they've which gotten they've gotten better. They've yeah, mo- very consistently gotten better. But if I try to think of games that were funny up to this point, yeah, uh, I think of maybe Earthworm Jim. Yeah, and maybe kind of yeah, kind of funny yeah. and yeah. Huh. So I mean, violence I think is something that video games have kind of come to figure <laughs> they, out. They've and done contextualize. well. <laughs> you know, like you, you see a game like The Last of Us, where like all the kills feel real. Even like I recently just played the, the Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, like, Laura trying to come to grips with this violent monster that she's become. And it's like, so there's some, it's still gratuitous, but there's also some room for, like, contextualizing. But sex and nudity never really got that way. So uh, let's expand on that a little bit. I think games with sex and nudity, they date back to the Atari age. So the 2600 had a series of notorious pornographic games from the quote-unquote Swedish erotica developers Mystique. Uh, they had games like X-Man, beat em and eat em, and the infamous Custer's Revenge. Uh, for those not in the know, or for, I guess content warning, because this is uh, really horribly gross. But Custer's Revenge is about you play as a pantsless General George Armstrong Custer. With a very large erection. With a large erection, you have to walk across a field where arrows are raining down at you, and your goal is to make it to the other side of the screen so you can rape a Native American woman tied to a cactus. Is she tied to a cactus? She's tied to a cactus. Oh, that makes it even worse. Even oh, worse. Just really uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, Beat'em and Eat'em is maybe even grosser. You play The as, title is certainly grosser. It's certainly grosser. It's uh, it's a Kaboom clone. 
So if you okay, know Kaboom, so, yeah, there's a guy on a roof dropping bombs and everything. Except Kaboom in this, is a wonderful game. Kaboom's wonderful. Beat him and eat him is about a guy on a roof jacking off, and oh you God. control two young women at the bottom catching it in their mouth. So fucking <laughs> gross. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the Swedes are into that makes it so erotic for them. But, yeah, so they... The best part is that it's on the Atari. Yeah, so I know. Yeah. Like, what are you really looking at? I, I, Four I, pixels? Yeah. At one point, I had both of these games, like, in box. And I had to sell them eventually, but, like... Were they valuable? Yeah, they're like, valuable. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Why they did came you with, own like, them? Because they're, they were valuable. Because they were valuable. Because they're valuable. Right. And I wanted to see, like, that these were real. And they're real, and they're horrible. Uh so, you know, they, they were quickly pulled from shelves, obviously, because parents discovered that kids were playing a cowboy raping an Indian, and they decided, hey, that's not super wholesome. I'm guessing that these sort of unlicensed games, and just as a symptom of Atari in general, were a big reason that the Nintendo seal of quality came into effect, and Very much why so. Nintendo became so protective of their image. Yeah, Atari was a revolving door. Pretty much anybody could develop their game for that system at any time. So uh, the first somewhat reputable adult game was uh, Soft Porn Adventures, which was a uh, text-based game from 1981, and that sold pretty well. Then the early bear in ma- mind that it is text-based, people. <laughs> it is text-based? So, so, so why is it it's soft the so- porn? it's the softest of soft. The porn. softest of soft porn. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Go north. Yeah. Uh, you have discovered boobs. <laughs> yes. So uh, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, touch <laughs> boobs. <laughs> In the early 90s, there were three unlicensed pornographic carts that were covertly re- released on the NES. So it was Bubble Bath Babes, Hot Slots, and Peekaboo Poker. Uh, also very hard to find if you're in the market for crappy $500 puzzle games. Oh, man. Who is own these ones too, Steve? Uh, no, I did not own these. I, I was, at one point, I was building an NES collection, and I got about halfway there, but I never had any of these. Uh, so there were poorly received titles later on, like BMX, XXX, and... Uh, the guy game, which is notable because uh, it turned out to be child porn, um, that's a whole story. But well, I feel like you need to allow. I feel like you can't just say it turned out to be child porn. That's a whole and story. Let's move on. Okay, I'll elaborate. So, mean, the guy game for those who haven't played it is yeah, like for those who haven't played it, aka everyone, everyone who should never play it. It's basically like uh, it's like Girls Gone Wild meets a trivia game. So it's all like full motion video clips of like women at a spring break and okay it's a really confusing system because you're supposed to you're not supposed to guess the right answer you're supposed to guess what you think the girl is gonna say and then it bases on that and like if you get a certain number wrong then she takes her top off Mm -hmm. uh and it's pointless and stupid but it turned out after the game was released that one of the girls in that uh game was 17 and her parents sued and so it's been pulled from the market and And it was no big loss yeah (laughs) I mean, based on the games that you're naming, I feel like you're sort of implying that Conker's Bad Fur Day is a little more lewd than it is. I mean, the game has no nudity, and like I said, all the swearing is beeped out. It's um, true, but when else are we going to get a chance that's to That's true. About it's this? definitely... It, it, it's probably the filthiest game on the Nintendo 64, I right? think easily, yeah, okay. yeah, easily. Because, I mean, there are other M-rated games, of course, Quake and Turok. We played a few of them, but uh, they're not... Perfect Dark. I would Perfect say those Dark. games are probably actually more violent. I they're would say Turok vi- is more... Turok Rage Wars is definitely a more violent game than Conquer, at least because the graphics look slightly more realistic. I just remember playing Turok and, like, the guy would die and, like, fall over clutching his throat. I'm like, wow, that's kind of grisly. So, yeah. Uh, So, I think... Where was I? Oh, yeah, after the guy came... You're talking about beat him and eat him. I was, yes. I'm always talking about that. So, uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, everybody remembers the infamous hot coffee scandal. Uh... Some coders found uh, a mod inside the PC version of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas that was a very explicit hardcore sex minigame. Of course, it was very buried in the code and it never made it out, but the fact that it still existed in there led it to being pulled from the shelves and everything, so that was a bit of a controversy. Uh, Nowadays, most games don't even bother with this kind of stuff because you get titles like Mass Effect or Heavy Rain that were kind of trying to take a more mature approach Mm -hmm. to this, but they wound up looking like Bump and Barbie dolls together. And it was really ridiculous. And Heavy Rain had the uh, amazingly sexy prompts of, like, rotate the left stick to (laughs) stimulate your lover. It's like, (laughs) nope, hard pass. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about some swearing a little bit. Uh, The first F word to ever appear in video games. A little hard to pin down, but in North America, it appears that the first game was either... uh, the Orion Conspiracy, which is a PC uh, adventure game, or it was the game adaptation of Terry Pratchett's Discworld. Wow. 
which had a, a kind of an Easter egg of Eric Idle uh, voicing the character saying, I want to be the first video game character to say fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's, that's buried in the code. Congratulations. I like that. Yeah, it's great. And then that comes back in Discworld 2. He says, I want to be the first person to say fuck in a second video game. <laughs> so it's clever. Those games are fun. Uh, so the word has appeared before seemingly accidentally. Uh, in 1991, there was a Robotron clone called Llamatron on the PC, and it had an audio clip that almost sounds like someone saying fuck when you die. So it goes like, blip, 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 fuck, uh, which some people took offense at. Uh, by this standard, then, the earliest game in which it, uh, the F word appeared is a Japanese Famicom game called Explosive Fighter Patton. Uh, so for the, this was the, for the Famicom disc system like the Zelda was on, so you would swap out floppy disks to play the next part of the game. So when you go to switch disks, the instruction screen reads, turn to side B and insert to fucking box. <laughs> which is, I'm pretty sure, is a mistranslation. Yeah, it's gotta be. It's just like, yeah, but People still. are just sick of having to explain it to these dumb consumers. Just it's, insert it in the fucking box! Insert it in the fucking box! Ah! Some technical writer had a really bad day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like, I'm leaving. That's his, like, I'm doing. that's his Warren Robinette moment from Adventure. Just like, oh, yeah, they're not going to give me credit. Ah, fuck you! Uh, so... The if you want to be a real wise ass, the first swearing was actually in Cubert. Oh yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm Dude, not I mean, that's that. pretty comparable swearing. Too bad for a day with those yeah. those yeah. symbols. Yeah, with the symbols. Yeah. And uh, do you guys know? Have a guess of what the game with the most swearing in it is? The most f bombs. Hmm. I would guess it's. Is there a Limp Biscuit video game? <laughs> there 50, be. What was it? Fifty cent. Fifty cent game. Um, two of them, yeah. Is it Grand Theft Auto San Andreas? It is not. You're you're close, uh, and I think you'll be slapping yourself when you realize uh, what it is. Saints Row Three. Huh. No, no, guess. it's actually Scarface, the oh, 2006 okay. video game adaptation of Scarface, the notoriously profane Brian De Palma movie. I don't think it was worth playing. Probably not. If you're like real into hip hop in 1999, you're probably into that game. Um, Okay, where oh, I lost my notes. No, so yeah, Scarface has the most. It has uh, five thousand f words in that <laughs> one game. It is many five thousand six hundred eighty-eight times. Wow. Uh, so, but I think the games that Conquer draws most of its spiritual DNA from, I think there are three that you can point to. I think Leisure Suit Larry is one of them. I think Duke Nukem is another, and to a lesser extent, Postal. You can draw that from. So. Uh, the Leisure Suit Larry games were a series of adventure games developed by Al Lowe for Sierra in 1987. That series was uh, basically you play as a short, bald guy in a leisure suit who's always trying to get laid and always getting rejected. Uh, they're pretty unremarkable, but there's been 12 of them. <laughs> so if you're into that kind of nostalgia. Uh, Postal, I don't even really want to talk about because fuck that game and fuck the movie it was based on. Uh, Uwe Boll directed a movie some postal that's still maybe the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Wow. And yeah. you have seen a lot of crappy I've things. I've seen a lot of garbage. If uh, if anybody out there follows the writer Nathan Rabin, he's currently working on a book about uh, the movie Postal. Like a whole a book. A whole book about A whole book postal. just about the movie Postal. So check that out uh, when that comes out. He's a great writer. Uh, and then Duke Nukem we will discuss in a later episode because there are two mm-hmm. Duke Nukem games on the N64. All right, let's get to Conquer. Let's get to Conquer. Uh, Conquer's Bad Fur Day released March 5th, 2001, published and developed by Rare. It is an N64 exclusive, but it was later remade for the Xbox and included in the Rare Replay collection on Xbox One. So yeah, like we said, this was released very late in the life cycle. There would only be 11 more games released after this. Um, so that's part of the reason why it sold less than half a million copies, which is not bad for most N64 games, but for a Rare game, that's really low. Uh, that's that's lower than even like Mickey's Speedway USA, which is like their other lowest rated game. Um, so the brainchild behind all this madness is, like we said, a guy named Chris Seaver. So Seaver not only created, developed, and directed the game, but he does the voice for Conquer and every male character in this game, save for one. Uh, Louise Ridgway provides the female voices, and then Chris Marlowe lends his voice to uh, the Great Mighty Pooh, the <laughs> giant opera-singing feces pile boss. I wonder if that's what his nickname was in the office, which is why they <laughs> let him voice it. <laughs> that's, uh, I want to know the story behind that. Marlowe, get in here! You're the Great Mighty Pooh! Yes. Yeah, and I mean, on that same note, I feel like voice acting is kind of a weak a weak point in this game. Um, I mean, there's not a lot of N64 games that actually have voice acting, so I mean, that's a cool exception to yeah. have the audio. Um, but it's like you said, it's very marbly mouth. Conquer doesn't have a lot of personality um, in in the voice. Um, I think a lot of the problem is that Seaver is very very British, and he's trying to make all the characters not be British. But they still use British, like, 
aphorisms and, and like some inflection like they'll say again instead of again like the or she'll say ring instead of call yeah you know so and they talk very he talks very slowly for most of the characters which i feel like a lot of the jokes get lost and the cutscenes become kind of draggy the panther they, king especially those yeah. scenes with the panther king are just like oh my god hurry it up and you can't skip the cutscenes at first like you can go back and replay them and then skip them but uh yeah you can't skip them which you know I get because I think that's a lot of the draw for this game. Like, especially if you're trying to market this early on, like, that's kind of the draw. You want to hear, be here for the story and for the outrageousness and all that. Uh, but Seaver is kind of unusual in the field because uh, he hasn't directed or developed any other games uh, outside of this and the Conquer remake on uh, Xbox. And uh, he doesn't really have much other dev experience to speak of, except uh, he does more voice acting. So he went on in Star Fox Adventures to voice uh, Slippy and Peppy. Uh, and you can hear those voices in Smash Brothers as well, like when they pop up as uh, unlockable Assist characters. Trophies or something. Yeah, but uh, Conquer is very, very much his baby. And he, anytime there's new whispers of a, another Conquer franchise, then he's <laughs> directly involved. Uh, so let's talk about the plot here as it is. It's very kind it's of Monty Python esque in that it's very like British absurdist kind of stuff, but. I don't know. I feel like so. I feel like in general, and I think this is a general rule of this game, is that every aspect of this game is kind of like a screw you to the audience in some ways, yeah. Um, or just kind of, you know, if you know, people were critical of Donkey Kong sixty four because it had too many collectibles. So this game says, all right, we're not gonna have we're gonna have one collectible. Yeah. Like you just get money. Yeah. And like that's just a joke of in itself of the arbitrary nature of collectibles. You just collect stacks of money with googly eyes on them. Um, you know, you could be critical of Donkey Kong and Banjo-Kazooie because the controls are so complicated. You have so many moves, so much to do, and it says, all right, all you can do is jump, crouch, and hit things with a frying pan. Yeah. And then kind of hover in the air. And a few combinations of the two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> crouch and, and then jump higher. Yeah. Everything else you do is done with these context-sensitive pads. So they're these big circles on the ground with a B on it. So... You just stand there, you press B, and whatever you need at that moment will pop out. And so in the story, too, I'm the story is also seems to be kind of a response to that in the sense that it purposely just seems pointless and doesn't make any sense. Like, Conker is out for the night, and he just sort of gets drunk and wakes up and doesn't know where he is. And that's basically the story. And he's just trying to get home to his girlfriend. Well, he took the wrong turn. Yeah, he took a he wrong went to turn. The nasty That's right. Instead of the nice. And then he he gets kind of embroiled with all these different plots because there's an evil panther king who over rules over the kingdom and he's upset because one of the table legs on his side table is missing and he keeps dropping his milk. So his chief scientist decides that a red squirrel would be the exact right height to replace that table leg. And that's that's why he's being hunted and being Not like, wood. Yeah, not wood, not anything else, not like phone books, just a red squirrel. And very bizarrely, Conker and the Panther King have never actually, they never actually interact until the very end of the game where there's a boss fight and Conker says, who is this guy who's trying to kill me? It's yeah. just, it's a very odd structure. And then there's even another weird twist at the end where it, the, I mean, I'm just going to spoil it. Yeah. Where an alien just jumps out of the king's chest, and For it no becomes reason. a parody of the movie Alien, and that's the final boss. You don't actually fight the Panther King. Yeah. Okay. it's It almost kind of reminds... I mean, this is being very, very, very charitable, but uh, kind of like some latter-day Coen Brothers movies, how okay. they'll like think of something like Burn After Reading, which is an entire, very ornately plotted movie about one joke. And, and at the end, they say, what did we learn? We learned nothing. We it learned didn't nothing. go anywhere. Yeah. And yeah, the game deliberately says, this is all pointless. Big player. Lebowski's kind of the yeah. same way. Or like, you know, yeah. So, the, yeah, it's it's kind of in that same spirit of just like a shaggy dog kind of story. So, uh, early on, he wakes, uh, Conker wakes up after being this night at the pub, and he meets a uh, drunken Scottish scarecrow named Birdie, who kind of serves as your, like, He's like the owl in Ocarina of Time. He's your guy, like, giving you tutorials and stuff. But he's wasted. And uh, he's the one who explains the context-sensitive pads and everything like that. And then you're just kind of on your way. And uh, there's an economy to this game that I kind of like. Like, I, I like that you're not just doing side quests just to fill time. Everything you do is driving the story forward. I don't think this game even has side quests. No. Like, I don't think that you can... Yeah, there's no, like, collect a percentage of things to advance to the next level. It's like you just have to complete a task. It's very linear. Yeah, it's super linear yeah. to advance the story. 
And I think in a lot of ways, that's one of my biggest problems with the game. I mean, I'm a big fan of linear games. I don't like open games. I like games where you know what you have to do. Yeah. But the problem with this game is when the game gets frustrating, it means that you're stuck. Yeah. You In Banjo-Kazooie or Donkey Kong, when there was a frustrating challenge and you're trying to get a jiggy that you couldn't get, you could just go do something else and go explore somewhere else and find something else. And this... If you get stuck on a specific area, and there are a lot of frustrating areas, which oh, yeah. I will rant about soon. Absolutely. Um, you, are just, you are just stuck there until you get up the willpower to try again. Yeah. Very much so. And find and, another controller. Yeah. yeah. I, I have never had a controller throwing problem. No? But I never I have either. I think I threw one while playing a particularly frustrating match of Halo 2, okay. which is also kind of why I stopped playing Halo 2. You could argue that every match of Halo 2 is particularly frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially when you're my skill level, which is uh, low. Low. Yeah. Thankfully, as a kid, when I did have a controller-throwing problem, I had a beanbag chair, and I would throw it into the beanbag chair, so it would preserve the controller. Okay, see, that's a smart way to exact your rage a little bit, yeah. So I guess I should take this point to clarify that I don't find this game particularly funny. Me neither. Uh yeah, and we've kind of touched on that a little bit, but it's very juvenile. It's very crass. There's not really a lot of wit to it, like despite all the Britishness of it. Conker's just kind of a jerk for no reason. He's just it's kind of an of asshole. Yeah, he doesn't. Joke. His characters, he doesn't really have a discernible character trait or any kind of drive, really. Like most of the time, he's not even like talking about why he needs to get home or what he wants to be doing. And he's collecting a lot of money, but for what ends, you don't actually know. Yeah, the thing that makes me laugh is the money with the googly eyes. Yeah. It's like, hey, money over here. Come get some money. Like, and then, uh, that makes me laugh. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's just a lot of moments of just sort of excessive cruelty, which is just, this is a very, like, super nihilistic game. Like, the it ending is. of the game is basically Conker realizing that nothing really matters, and, like, all his time has been for naught, and his girlfriend's dead. Yeah. Um... Ha, ha, ha. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then there's a moment, too, where you, like, are trying to destroy this plane that's blocking the way. And so you guide these guys who are carrying TNT uh, barrels on their backs to the edge of the plane. Yeah. And then you shoot them to light their barrel on fire and blow them up to blow up the plane. Yeah. And it's like, why are we blowing up these characters? It definitely they... has uh, some darkness to it. Yeah. That some of it, um, from like from what I recall... Mm-hmm. I found it much funnier when I was a kid, yeah. uh, you know, as a 13-year-old playing this game. Yeah. Some of it, like when I was replaying it on the Rare Replay, there's a part where these uh, farm implements tell the, the fork, the, the hay fork, to go hang himself, and he just does it. Yeah. And it's like, oh my god. Yeah, they're <laughs> just like brutally cruel to him, and then he di- and he doesn't die. And no, they just laugh like, at him because he doesn't have a neck. Yeah. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's It's just kind of a nasty game, and I think... The mealy mouth kind of uh, voice acting doesn't really help, and uh, yeah, I think the comedy just doesn't play super well. I think it might work if there were better voice actors. And um, another thing that this game does that I really bothers me is they display all the text on the screen mm. in like a word bubble on the characters. So basically, you're spoiling, you're reading and spoiling what a character is going to say beforehand. Right. And so I feel like any laughs are kind of lost there. It kind of drains the timing, especially when like the words are delivered so slowly. You know. Uh, but, you know, it, it's they, – they also rely very heavily on, like, uh, kind of done-to-death movie parodies. Like, so we get uh, – well, so- it opens with a low, long, slow Clockwork Orange parody, which is well done. And I admit at the time I first played this game, I didn't get that reference. I hadn't seen the movie yet. But uh, now I see it. It's like, okay, that's pretty well done. They even got the Malcolm McDowell smirk pretty well. <laughs> But the rest of it's like it's kind of everything you expect. There's the Matrix. There's Jaws. It's, there's Saving Private Ryan. This game has a weird sort of trajectory of it starts as sort of a very clear parody and homage to something like Banjo Kazooie. It really looks like Banjo Kazooie at yeah. the start, and then it starts. You know, you go into the poo world, and it's kind of gross. And then as it goes on, it divulges fully into just parodies. Mm-hmm. And so, like the set, the the last few levels are just long Saving Private Ryan parody. Um, and then there's a Matrix parody, which just randomly turns into an Aliens parody, and they just kind of all jam this stuff together. Yeah, and Bram Stoker's Dracula—that was a weird one to like put in there, even at this oh, time. Oh, that's, like, that's right. That's like a ten-year-old movie. But I mean, yeah, I think it would have been so much stronger. And like you were pointing out, like the game is feels much more fun and fresh in the early stages because 
it's poking fun at that very thing. It's like it's real. Rare is really, really taking the piss out of themselves with this one, and it's, it's very kind com- of yeah, it's very self-aware and very winking. And it looks it looks a lot better too. The mu the presentation is a lot better at the beginning of the game because it's more colorful, mm-hmm. um, and the music is fun. Yeah. Um, whereas when you start getting into these parodies, the the graphics are just very dark and muddy. Yeah. And so it's hard to see what's going on, and um, the music is just super bland. The color palette blends together a lot. It does. It does. This game has a lot of brown in it. This a might lot of be brown. the brownest game. Not even just the poo it should, level. It should be scored by Ween. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it, I, I will say I like the look of it, and I like the design of Conker. I like how expressive he is. Like, he really has a lot of facial expressions. His eyes are always moving, uh, and he's cute. You know, he looks like... It, it kind of makes it a little funnier, like, all the gross stuff that he's doing just because it's a little more subversive because he's so cute and cuddly looking. Mm-hmm. He looks like a mascot. Uh, I'm so. not as crazy about the design of his girlfriend, Barry. I'm very anti-super uh, sexy animals. Right, and, and I think we talked about this in Donkey Kong. Like, I also – I do think the design of Barry and, like, some of the other characters, the caveman lady, the flower with the big boobs, like, I feel like they're poking fun at Candy Kong like in Donkey Kong 64, who is an unnecessarily attractive ape who helps you save stuff. I feel like they're kind of poking fun at that, but I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much. Maybe somebody there just has a thing for busty anthropomorphized women. So I don't know. It it looks pretty nice, but yeah, there's a lot, a lot of voice acting. It's impressive they were able to get this much voice acting into the cartridge. Uh, And it does lose a little bit of its fidelity, but it's, there's an impressive amount, you know? Um, So... Almost, it seemed like most lines of dialogue were voice acted. There yeah, were very yeah. few that weren't. So that's and the to fact Siever's, that it carries on through the whole game is pretty great. To Seaver's credit, he found a lot of different voices. They're not all great. Uh, they're mostly very confusing and kind of hard to make out, but they're all distinct. All right, are you ready for my rant? Let's do it. All right, so people love Conker's Bad Fur Day. It won our listener poll. It got many rave reviews. People, this game is bad. The single-player mode is just kind of straight-up bad. Um, you Sort of the incentive to keep playing is to see what happens next and see sort of what weirdness happens, but the gameplay of this game is just super rough. Since you have no real moves or controls, all you sort of are doing are these tedious things of like picking up cheese and bringing it to a mouse and then going back and picking it up. And this game took me... I just beat this game for the first time about five minutes before I came here to record. (laughs) Um, This game took me 12 years to beat. I remember I started... It only took me 13 hours. Yeah, yeah. Over the course of 12 years. I started playing it in college. I got... And this is an embarrassing sentence to even say. (laughs) I got to the point where you have to urinate on the rock man in the nightclub. um, And then he tumbles into a rock and you have to push him into other rock men. Yeah. And I... I did not realize that you could hold the Z button to power up your stream um, to get a farther urine stream and push him farther. <laughs> I and still so, didn't know that. No, <laughs> and so I just tried to do it about 10 times, and I'm like, this is awful, I don't want to play this, and I stopped playing the game. And then I, w- I knew that it was going to come up for the podcast again, so I'm like, okay, I'll give it another chance, people like this game. And then I got to the section in the... Um, haunted house yeah where you get chased by the zombies and the controls for the shotgun are just terrible and guys just come and kill you and it's all dark in the haunted house so it's really hard to see where you're jumping and it's just all frustrating and tedious and then i finally finished it today after powering through um the stage the saving private ryan parody is just rough at the end there's guys that just pop out of the ground and shoot you with bazookas and you just instantly die there's sections where you have to jump through lasers that are very difficult. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember those. It's I, I was watching Let's Plays to try and be like, is this really how I'm supposed to do it? And in one of the Let's Play videos, the guy just went back to the... He was he started, he's like, okay, we're going to go through this laser part. And then he just tried it a couple times, died, and then he exited and went to the chapter select. And I'm like, let's just skip that. <laughs> and he went to the final <laughs> chapter. Uh, because the gameplay is so... It's so fr- there's so many moments where you just get stuck and not and it's just hard to want to keep playing because usually the things that are the problems are bad hit detection, bad camera, bad controls or just sort of random dudes popping up. Um and it's just a weird thing. This is like 
I feel like it's easy in retrospect to be like, I enjoyed all these crazy moments in Conquer, and I have memories of like the Matrix parody was really cool. And you just sort of remember the broad strokes. Yeah. But from a gameplay standpoint, it's pretty unpolished. It's just moving and jumping is difficult, and that's a humongous chunk of the game. Yeah. It it does definitely feel like a like a lesser effort. I mean, even we complained about Donkey Kong sixty four. It had its its issues, but it did feel much more polished it's than this. Much more fun to control. Yeah, that, and that's the thing. Just ha- a game without a long jump is is hard. You Conker's just not very fun to play as. Like yeah. his frying pan weapon is wimpy and doesn't really do anything. He, he has no long jump or sort of multi jump like Mario does. Um. Yeah, and I just think it's hard. People forget about the tediousness. I, I'm not... I know that came off a little harsh. I'm not saying this... This game is... It's just not a masterpiece by any means. I think a no. lot of people... Because not that many people played the game, and because it has such a weird place in Nintendo 64, I think it kind of has like an Emperor's New Clothes type of thing to it, where people are like, oh, did you ever play this game? Like, yeah, this game kind of a viral is thing, really, yeah. really cool... But then when you actually go back and play it, it's a little... I, I agree, yeah. I'm a little softer on it than you are, but I, I agree. It Playing it now, it's like I was, I was getting a headache after a little bit. Uh, and and just... I will say one more thing about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll probably say more than one more because they usually do. But yeah. This game feels very ahead of its time for yeah. all that I just dumped on it. So I just took a big, great, mighty poo on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of elements to this game, um, especially the context-sensitive thing where you pull out a new weapon when you step on a pad. It reminds me actually a lot of Resident Evil 4. Yeah, with the quick times. With the quick times and just like a constant changing of gameplay and modes and things like that, which is really cool. Yeah, they keep it it diverse. Like it doesn't work... All the time, but that's, like, that's the I actually problem. do like the Matrix bit. If I remember I, that, I really one. The like the variety of stuff that you do. I just wish it was executed better. Yeah. So get yeah, like Donkey Kong and Banjo Kazooie. They feel like games that are unique to a specific time and mm. genre. Like I feel like the N sixty four collectathon platformer is like a thing. Yeah, and you yeah, can yeah. go back and play those. Whereas this game kind of just feels like a worse version of a more modern game. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Well, let's move on to the reason why we have Zach here mostly, because uh, yeah. he, we want to talk about the multiplayer in this game. So uh, I never played the multiplayer. Woody never had either. Uh, but Zach, <laughs> this is this is your forte, right? Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. odd. This, this was... So I've ever I've never actually beat the single player of this game, but um, a friend of mine, two mm, two friends of mine, excuse me, had well, this game. Well, you have two friends? That's... Uh, not anymore. <laughs> one, one friend and an acquaintance okay. had this oh, okay. game, and uh, they. It was something where we would. Uh, it's kind of not a thing anymore, right? But you'd get four friends together, you yep. huddle around the TV, and you'd play multiplayer. And we played. I'm not. I can't even exaggerate this. Hundreds of hours of this game. Oh my god! So this um, game was your go-to. This and Perfect Dark. Okay. We played a lot. Um, we preferred Perfect Dark over Goldeneye. I would hope um, so. And but this game, I think as kids, like I said, uh, mm-hmm. previously we were probably 13, yeah. 14, 12, somewhere in that range. You're 16 now, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Happy and, birthday. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, we would, so the humor was, was funny, like uh, the fact that the, the teddies were stuffing instead of blood, and you could chop people's heads off with a samurai sword, like it appealed to us, and we played so much of it, and there was so many different game modes in the multiplayer, which kept us entertained for a long time this game does the multiplayer does have a ton of game modes it was it's so odd that that was your experience with this game and i think that that was not uncommon because a lot of when they did the remake for xbox live and reloaded there was a really heavy emphasis on the multiplayer absolutely they made online play and things like that and i feel like again i feel like this game is kind of ahead of its time in most of these multiplayer game modes i feel like would be pretty fun in an online environment where there's um, more people running around and because they're very they're team based yeah there's yes. like capture the flag or there's a tower defense mode where one uh, player tries to play as like sort of French refugees trying to escape the teddies which um, are like Nazi stand-ins yeah. or they're, they're teddy bear Nazis like um, and I mean there's seven seven modes that I w- was able to find so yeah. we have we have beach which is the one you're talking about that's where yeah I think tower defense is the closest way to describe it. Uh, Raptor, which was like a three-on-one or like a two-on-two. Well, two two. two. It was two-on-two, yeah. where you're like dinosaurs and cavemen. 
And that one was kind of busted because it felt like dinosaurs were really overpowered. Well, as I said when we loaded it, I went, I don't remember this game mode. <laughs> I don't remember I don't, playing this one. I played this game Hundreds a lot. of hours and don't remember <laughs> this mode. Uh, what else? Heist, which we never quite figured out. Well, it's kind of, you play as weasels trying yeah. to steal money. So there's money in the middle of the level and you have to bring it back to your colored area. We, could, we couldn't but, find where to deposit the money, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you can beat each other up with baseball bats. Uh, we have war and total war, uh, which is like capture the flag, basically. Yeah, well, like, so uh, war and... is just a deathmatch thing. And then oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Total right. war yeah. is sort of a capture the flag where you get a canister and drop it in and then it pulls gas after all after everywhere. five seconds it locks all the doors and everyone who doesn't have a gas mask dies that's right yeah and then there was a uh, tank which is just tank fighting uh basic less fun than combat less just fun than combat more fun than battle zone yeah. multiplayer i think but uh i don't know uh, and then race mode which uh, i was out of the room for while you guys were and that was that. your headache had taken full effect yeah yeah it was kind of it's happening. a it's a replay of a section in the main game where you sort of are racing on a surfboard over this lava in the yeah. caveman level and it it plays fine um the memory there's a few weapons yeah the part another takeaway just from the podcast in general is i don't know how we used to play these four-player games guys i know we all did it yeah we all have fond memories of goldeneye and mario kart or even Star Fox, but like the screen is just tiny, and it's so hard to see, and it's so muddy, and yeah. it's just not much fun. And again, we just didn't have any other options back in the day, so we just kind of adapted. Zach, going back and revisiting these now, I mean, I assume you didn't play these, like, yesterday. Like, No, uh, no it's, how, it's probably does... been at least 10 years since the last time I touched this game outside of playing the single player on Rare Replay. And, and how does it uh, stack up? Oh, as I told you when you invited me, I said I'm really excited to be let down. Uh, <laughs> and I was, yeah. I mean, it doesn't hold up at all. Um, some of the modes were fun. Like, the race, as Woody said, worked perfectly fine. It wasn't particularly great, but it and worked. There's only one course. Yeah. It's just the course. That's and the laps are really mode. short. Uh, I, I was very impressed. Again, like, with the single player mode, I was very impressed with the variety. Uh, they, they crammed a lot in here. And each game, like, has its own little cutscene with its own characters and own voice acting introducing it. And they're not much fun, but they're there. Like, there's a lot of work and care that went into these. I felt like I kept saying with everyone, I'm like, I remember this being more fun if we had four people, and we only had three. So it, it was, you know, one team was horrifically lopsided. And yeah. So, I feel like uh, we need to rename our podcast, Steve, to like, Steve and Woody ruin, old, ruin Nintendo 64. <laughs> so, hey, we might, we've discovered a few. That's like, true. You know, Quake 2, that's it's, great. I, th- I mean, I don't think this one reaches that level of like multiplayer refinedness. No. You know, I think that's been kind of our big sleeper hit so far, but... Uh, I mean, these weren't bad. These are these weren't bad. They were definitely better than some of the other proprietary like multiplayer modes, like on Star Fox or uh, what, what? Probably else? better than Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong, yeah, very... yeah, definitely better than Donkey. Kong. I do have to say that the multiplayer modes at least ran well. Like there didn't seem to be That's much true. frame rate issue. Uh, they were clearly. If you go play like Goldeneye. There, it's it's really hard to play because of the frame rate. The multiplayer looks a little better in this than the single player does. Actually, the single player chugs a bit. Yeah, um, you're right. Yeah, the frame yeah, rate's so... not great in single player. Well, so what does the future of Conquer have in in store? I assure you often wonder late at night. Um, there have been a few attempts to bring the character back. Like, we talked a lot about the 2005 Conquer Live and Reloaded. Uh, it was released on the Xbox, and it was basically a shot-for-shot remake of this game, just with fuzzier characters. But all the voice acting was the same. Uh, and that was going to spin off into a multiplayer-only sequel called Conquer Going Medieval. Uh, which never made it past the concept art phase. The existence of the game wasn't even revealed until fairly recently on uh, Rare's YouTube channel, and they shared some of their concept ideas and things like that. It was going to be, like you said, an all-multiplayer game, just focused on that, no single-player or anything. Uh, In 2015, Conquer was brought back for an episodic series of platformers that took place entirely within Project Spark. Do you guys know oh, about yeah. this? Yeah. You know about this. Okay, see, I'm not an Xbox I've never, owner. I've never played anything in Project Spark, but I know of it. It's pretty. It's a pretty cool concept. It's like a, a game design platform, kind of almost like Little Big Planet, but a little more powerful. Uh, so you can build your own like. So it's like a user created content. Yeah. For yeah Conquer. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and so Conquer had his own little episodic game that was going to be released within that game as kind of a showcase of what the system could do. Uh, and uh, the platform, it had its fans, but it was deemed far too complex for most players, and it was shut down in 2016. Uh, the Conquer game is called Conquer's Big Reunion, and it was canceled after only one episode. So we never got to see the resolution to that. The last time we heard from Conquer was a game called Young Conquer, hmm. similar to Young Sheldon. 
which was being developed exclusively for the Microsoft HoloLens, which oh, wow. is kind of like a blend between um, like Google Glass and VR helmets. So it's going to be like active reality or advanced reality, whatever that's called. Um, there would be a weird thread that you could follow through in terms of like dead mascots on dead hardware. Like, because yeah. they're like, we don't know what this product is. Let's figure out what kind of software we can use to sell it. But we don't want to use any name brand thing we actually care about. Yeah. What's a dead property someone might have interest in? I think right. that happened with, like, uh, Spyro and Skylanders. Like, they didn't know that was going to take off. So it's like, all right, let's just cram Spyro in here just in case. Yeah. Uh, in this case, like, it, Microsoft is calling this technology mixed reality. Uh, and... You're basically it's a platforming game that takes place in the real world. So you look at your desk and Conquer runs across a desk and runs up your walls and collects coins and stuff. Uh, so this is not the Conquer that we're used to. Uh, his design is very very different, and he no longer swears or uses violence or curses or anything like that. It's kind of back to what he was originally intended, which is a very family friendly like little cutesy squirrel. And uh, so fans have been furious over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been protesting the, the game and asking. There have been petitions for it to be canceled because nerds need a life. <laughs> um, at this point, I have no idea when or if the HoloLens is ever going to come out. Uh, I have no clue uh, if this is even still in development. So we shall see when we are all wearing our HoloLenses in five years. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. When it, just like we all wear our Google Glass. I'm that, that took out like not crazy. Yeah, I, I was wondering about Google Glass too. Like, did that ever get out of like beta or anything? I, I think it exists. I think there, were, there was Does a it? lot of yeah. outrage over people just wearing a camera on their face. That I, I, yeah, I, I, I think it might not have really hit mainstream because of that. I just remember it being like this, the biggest deal in the world for like a month, and then I haven't heard anything about it. I think everyone realized it was dumb. Yeah, I uh, think that's right. So I have to wonder if uh, you know Rare has not really had success. Yeah, since the N64 days. I mean, they put out uh, what Viva Pinata, uh, Viva and, Pinata was and a sequel, big. and like those were okay. Yeah, um, they did. Uh, did they did Grab by the Ghoulies. They did was Grab by them? the Ghoulies yeah. on the Xbox. Uh, yeah, and they but did, this is still a long time ago, guys. But most recently, yeah. so they did Sea of Thieves, right? And we were talking about it. Um, oh, I was wondering why we you brought playing. that up. It seemed apropos of nothing. But well, yeah. it's a rare game. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't super well received. So I wonder, you know, with the like nostalgia is really big right now. I wonder if maybe they reach into their nostalgia. Pocket. Everyone's talking about this nostalgia yeah, now. Well, it's at a new a new highway. It's a new street drug you yes. can pick up from a fifties diner. <laughs> but I wonder if they reach into their back catalog and maybe try to make you know make something with an old property. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. They made the uh, Banjo Kazooie nuts and bolts on the three sixty, which I never played. I know that has its defenders, uh, but I don't like like vehicle or customization or things like that because like i don't know it's just my vehicles don't work they'll always fall over or die so yeah i mean i could see them going back to that because yeah uh microsoft has been pushing sea of thieves hard because it's kind of like their one big exclusive property right now uh otherwise playstation is just kind of trouncing them well it's definitely their attempt to capitalize on like the games as a service that's going on you know with like destiny and um, a lot of those other similar Fortnite, titles. Overwatch, yeah, yeah. Where, you know, you want people to come play daily. And so it really didn't receive great reviews. I haven't played it, so I can't speak to it personally. But. Yeah. Well, let's move on to our uh, ranking section of the show. So each week we rank all the games we're playing. Uh, this will be our 85th game that we played in 50 episodes. Not too shabby. Uh, all right, well, we'll start with Zach because he only has one game mm-hmm. on here. Do you think this is better or worse than Gauntlet Legends? Objectively, I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm going to rank it above yeah. Gauntlet Legends. No, there you go. That's because, okay. uh, if nothing else, for my memories. Yeah. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. Memories I would, are I worth would a ra- lot. I would rather play this than Gauntlet Legends. Yeah, nostalgia's in nowadays. Yeah. That's what it nostalgia's is. in. It's yeah. that hot street truck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Woody, how about you? You, you, uh, went, you went on your rant. I'm curious where this rant. actually um, lands. It's, it's probably not going to be as low as you think. It's more of a rant. There's a weird thing of when we play something like Batman Beyond... I feel like the tone is a lot more positive because that game is generally regarded as a super shit game. And we yeah. play it and we're like, oh, it wasn't as awful as we thought it would be. And then I play something like this. Or like Donkey Kong, yeah. yeah I caught some we, flack for us being like really hard on Donkey Kong. Yeah, we kind of rag on it more because it has this high following. Um, and so this game is certain... I'm putting this um, right under Toy Story. Okay. Which I think is number 24. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it's certainly not a bad game. I mean, I beat the whole thing, um, 13 hours, and I definitely, there's some great parts where the game is really clicking, 
and like you're going from thing to thing and there's a variety of challenges and it's you know colorful and kind of funny um but then you'll just hit this irritating sort of boulder p boulder type challenge or guide a tnt guy through a explosive area or get blown up by teddies all the time and the yeah. game just slows to a halt it really and does. it just gets super frustrating and then i just want to stop playing it but i grinded through due to the uh the many fan vehement fanboys of this game yeah um, i definitely feel like this game is a. Uh, if you're really curious, you could watch a Let's Play of someone who has edited out all of the times that they have constantly died yeah. into just one cohesive playthrough and see sort of the goofy moments of the game. But I don't think that it's worth going back to. That's fair enough. I'm, I'm uh, again, twisting all expectations because I've been pretty quiet on this, but I'm going a little lower than you. But yeah. I, I'm going in the same place because uh, I'm putting it right below Toy Story 2, which makes it my new number 25 game. Man, it's amazing how close we come on so many we of these do, things. We do, but don't like, talk about these beforehand. We, we just look at the list and choose. And even but. if our opinions seem to be like very diverse on these, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think you partially you convinced me a little bit with your rant and uh, and just replaying it and realizing, man, this is kind of frustrating. Like, uh, a lot of the reason it's ranking as high as it is is just because of the sheer balls of it. Yeah. Uh, it's really an audacious kind of game. Uh, I respect the hell out of what they did. Uh, and there's a lot to recommend here, but it just does not hold up as well as you would hope. If um, you think that, like, furry animals being crude is, like, the funniest thing ever... This is a great game. This is great. Because it really delivers on that. I don't think that's that funny, so it's not enough drive for me to want to push through the frustrating parts. Yeah. But if that's really your jam, then get a new jam. I honestly don't think I could even recommend the N64 version for anyone to pick up. Like, if, mm. you're, if you're wanting to play this game, you can find the Rare Replay for $10 if you have an Xbox right. One. And it comes with so many other games. So you, you might comes as well... comes with Battletoads. Battletoads, Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. So you might as well, if you're gonna try to play it, get that. If you and that's yeah, the way to. Do I agree. It. It's 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 an it's an expensive cart. So it is very much so. Yeah, but I think one thing we can all agree on is that the music in this game is fantastic. Certainly at the start of the game. Oh man, I would, would listen it? to it all the time. Oh boy. Well, I wonder if we ever have an opportunity for people to listen to the soundtrack. <gasps> oh wait, we do. What guys? It's been 50 episodes. We're so excited. Uh, I'm I'm still just having a blast doing the show. And we kind of wanted to say thank you to our listeners. And we also kind of wanted to bring in a few more listeners. You know, maybe have more people come join the party of talking about N64 games. <laughs> this is my idea of a party. Whenever yes. I, I send out invitations, come to Woody's party. And then people get there. And I just sit there we'll with play a Vigilante little Chardonnay. 8. Yeah, Chardonnay. I'm like, what do you guys think about quake <laughs> we're not gonna play it just talk just about talk it. about it yeah. <laughs> join us and listen uh so uh here's what we're gonna do we have a, another contest in mind i know yeah we just came off a listener it wasn't really a thing. contest in That's... the sense that the only contestants were the games and, and the games won it's true it's true so uh what we have here is a brand new vinyl edition of the conquer's bad fur day sound <laughs> gorgeous artwork it's a super cool looking cover and oh absolutely the sleeve is just amazing even if you don't have a vinyl machine as they're like, called this is a good uh, art piece yeah. you know and especially really cool just to display yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and if you're a fan of conquer then this is the uh the item and, and if uh, you're a fan of conquer we're sorry we just ragged on your favorite game <laughs> we ragged on it but we rated it pretty high so <laughs> we're still doing good at least uh, they didn't drag you to the room and do it so. yeah it's true <laughs> So uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put this uh, vinyl album up for bids uh, and basically not really for bids, but for grass. $50. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to have a contest to pick up this game. And uh, there's a couple different ways you can enter it. You can either uh, I'm going to make a tweet that you can retweet on our uh, uh, go to at Ultra 64 podcast. Uh, and that's yeah, that's our Twitter. And uh, I'll make a post. I'll pin it on the top of the page. And if you retweet that, then you're entered. If, if you go onto iTunes and write a review, yeah. uh, then you are entered. If you go join our Facebook community, you are entered. And you can and get multiple entries for doing these different things. You can. So. And if you write into ultra64podcast at gmail.com with a design for a potential T-shirt, then you are entered twice twice let's make it more than that you're entered three times oh my god yeah. we are up in the ante three yeah. times if you draw 
a t- potential T-shirt design for us and email that to us. Draw, okay. write, describe, whatever whatever method of art works for you for what kind of T-shirt, Ultra 64 T-shirt you would like to see. Exactly. All right, so that's the rule right there. So retweet, join the Facebook group, send us some artwork, or leave us a review on iTunes. You can do all of these things, and you can enter yourself four times. You so a uh, sweet for conquer, five points, actually, yeah. Conquer Bad Fur Day soundtrack album. It is very beautiful. It's really cool, and I think it's a, it's a great little piece. So uh, go ahead and do all that, everybody. Let people know that we exist out here. We're excited to, to keep going. Uh, we've got a great couple of episodes coming up. The next few are kind of insane. Uh, and it's just kind of random luck of the draw, and it's going to be really fun. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for coming back. We appreciate you being here, talking about this, and letting us ruin your favorite game. <laughs> uh, definitely not my favorite game, but one of, okay. I, I will say. Uh, no, I'm glad that you guys had me back, and hopefully I redeemed myself from the last time where I was basically silent. You so. were a fucking joke last time. Okay, pull it together. Oh, Jesus. No. <laughs> it's nice to learn about multiplayer. You're going to beep out that one too, right? Oh, hell no. no, oh. no, no, no. <laughs> anyway, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, tune in next week when we're going to be playing something rather similar, actually. We are going to be playing Earthworm Jim 3D. Earthworm Jim! Such a groovy guy. Yeah. I've been re-watching some of the cartoon for that. It's great. Anyway, everybody, tune in next week. Earthworm Jim, enter the contest. Bye, everybody. Burp.